Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. We are starting a new series today in the book of Genesis. That's right at the beginning of the Bible. The this, this series we're in is called A People of Faith. And so you can imagine what we are going to be learning about in this series, how, how to become and what are people of faith. And so uh, we're going to just start right off by praying this morning, okay? And then we'll get into the message. So if you would, uh, just pray with me. Wow, God, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for a chance to worship you today. Uh, Just songs of truth and power, God. Your grace is enough. Forever God is faithful. Forever you are strong. God, I just pray that today, Lord, that you would speak to us today. We need to hear from you, Creator God. So God, I just pray that you would magnify yourself in your word today. You would make a big deal out of yourself, Father. Help us, help each one of us see how glorious you are. Lord, I just pray that you take the fog off of the lenses of our eyes, so to speak, that we could see how, how bright and sparkling you are. You're glorious. You're worthy of our life. You're worthy of our worship and our praise and our adoration. So God, I just pray that you would speak powerfully today and that when we leave today, only you you would be the one we're talking about. You're the one that people would remember. And thank you for remembering us. We thank you for your grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Well, from the beginning, very beginning of Genesis, we read that God created everyone and everything. And everything that he created was good, right? Some of you guys remember this, right? Everything he makes is good. The creator of the universe made a home for man. And he gave him meaningful work. And he gave him generous provisions every single day of his life. He gave him a helper and a friend to share life with. And beyond all these things, the creator gave man the gift that he needed the absolute most, which is a relationship with him. This all happened in the beginning of the story. And then... A great lie entered into the hearts of men and women. And the lie was simply this. God isn't really good. God isn't really good. He doesn't really want you to be happy and satisfied. And so, you, ultimately you, are your best option for making sense out of this world that we live in and for taking care of yourself. So what happened was that we rebelled against Creator God and death entered into the world and our relationship with the one who made us, the one who created us, who knows us and loves us, began to unravel very, very quickly. Life after the garden in Genesis 3 turned into the Jerry Springer show, okay? That's basically what happened. It it was like the never-ending episode of the worst reality TV show you could possibly imagine, all right? People are trying to make themselves famous for doing really stupid things. 
People are full of pride. They're self-centered. People are sleeping with their own dad. This is actually in the Bible. They're getting drunk. They're murdering their brother. They're lying. They're stealing. They're cheating. They're planning and conniving. They're mocking God. They're worshiping the moon and the suns and the stars. And it all ends the same way. Death. How do you like that? How's that grab you? It all ends in death. No matter what anyone tries to do, no matter what anyone tries to build or to rectify the situation, it ends in death. This is the future for humanity and for the whole world. Death. Welcome to Crossway. Glad you guys are here. (laughs) This is the story. In fact, we read in chapter 6 of Genesis these words. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it grieved him to his heart. That, that, that is true even for today. The future looks quite depressing for humanity without some divine intervention. Life for humanity is a series of self-salvation product, projects that end in heartache and death. And that brings us to Abraham. Abraham marks a new chapter in history and a new hope. Sounds kind of like the subtitle for the next Star Wars movie, doesn't it? A new chapter, a new hope. But the only difference is that this story is real. This story actually happened, so it's more than inspiring. It can change us because it happened. Here's the big idea of this story. Within this jacked up world, God is redeeming a people for himself. And you can be a part of it. Within this jacked up world, God is redeeming a people for himself and you can be a part of it. And the question becomes, how? I mean, that sounds great, but how does this happen? How do we become a part of God's people? And the answer that we find in Genesis, and particularly in the life of Abraham, is by faith. This happens by faith. I'm going to read uh, our scripture reading for this morning, which is in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, and uh, Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. Make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be Blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel 
beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is the word of God. So three things that we believe to become part of God's people. The first is that we believe that we are redeemed by grace. We believe we're redeemed entirely by God's grace. Chapter 12 in Genesis marks a dividing line in human history. Up until this point, there's only darkness. That's that's pretty much the future. There is no real future for humanity except destruction because people, all of us, were hell-bent on ignoring the God of life and destroying one another. Sin has spread into every human heart and into every corner of the earth, and death has followed right behind. And then all of a sudden, we read these words in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. Now, in order for those words to sound amazing, because they are, but for that to sound amazing to us, we need to understand who Abram really was. Abram was a 75-year-old man with a worn-out body that could not have children. That's who he was. With no children, all of the wealth, and by the way, he was an incredibly wealthy man. Maybe the richest man on earth at the time. With no children, all the wealth that he accumulated and all the accomplishments that he had accomplished were absolutely meaningless. They were worthless. They didn't comfort him at all. There's no one for him to pass any of this on to. It ends with him. Not only that, but Abram was an uncircumcised, multi-God-worshipping pagan. He didn't know God. He didn't worship God. He certainly wasn't searching for God to have any kind of a relationship with the one that made him. Abram was about as far away from God as you could get. There's nothing about Abram, is what I'm saying, that earned him this blessing of redemption. We need to know this. Otherwise, this doesn't sound amazing. This just sounds like a little Bible story that we tell our kids. This is pretty radical, guys. There's nothing about him that earned this grace. Yet God says these words to him. I will bless you. I will bless you. I will redeem your life. So here's what we see God doing. God brings dead things back to life. Like Abram. We see God filling empty things full of life, like Sarai's womb. And before her, the entire earth, which was void. He's filling up empty things with life. God saves those that are destined for destruction and gives them a future. Something to hope in and to look forward to. God takes the initiative. God takes the initiative to redeem a people for himself that in no way is deserving of this blessing. And you know what we call that? Dan, what do we call that? 
Grace, yes, sir. We call that grace. We call that grace. Was this not you and I before the Lord called us? Crossway? Was this not you and I? Absolutely. Were we not worshiping false gods? Yes, we were. Yes, we were. They were respectable (laughs) false gods. Were we not as good as dead before God called us? Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Paul says this in Titus 3. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were a slave to our passions and our pleasures. We thought we were running that. They were running us. We could not do that. Passing our days in malice and envy. This sounds like reality TV. Malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Some of us trusted in our career to give us meaning in life. Some of us trusted in our children to give us meaning. Some of us trusted in our physical power, our abilities to get things done. You see, that is going to give my life meaning. That's going to keep people from calling me ordinary or forgettable. See, that'll save me. Some of us trusted in being known as our parents' good child, the responsible one. That's going to make me uh, somebody. We all trusted in something other than God to make our life meaningful, yet those things had no ability to, to make our life meaningful. They all end the same way. They couldn't do it. So not only were we false worshipers, but we were also futile worshipers. There's like a double negative here. Yet God appeared to us and saved us. God called us into his family and blessed us with redemption. This is what we believe, that we have been redeemed by God's grace alone. And it's a wonderful thing. Do you believe that you've been called out of darkness into God's light by His grace? Do you believe that? Do you treasure that truth? Or do you believe that God has redeemed your life because of what you do and He just kind of tops off that part that you just couldn't get done? Because if that's what you believe, you know what? There's never going to be a real transformation in your life. There might be additions. There might be add-ons to the house. Modifications. But you're still living in the same old house. There's never going to be transformation. You will follow God. To a point. And no further. Why? Because it's still your life, right? You listen to God. To a point, and I don't really like that, what you think about that, God. See, there'll never be a real thankfulness to your actions, and there'll never be a real sweetness towards Him if we don't get this. If you don't believe that you're redeemed by God's grace alone, because after all, you had a part to play in it. You had a part to play in your redemption. You finally got your act together. You finally put all those pieces together that one night, 
you finally found the right path. You see, it's, it's when we see ourselves in Abraham that God took someone like us, someone like Chad, and, and, and someone that had no real hope, no real future, no promise, and chose them to be redeemed by him, that were transformed by him. That's when we begin to treasure God's grace, not just mentally agree to it. We love it. We treasure his grace. You see, something happens to us, family, when we start to treasure God's grace. Our purpose for living life fundamentally changes. It's transformed. We start to believe that we have been redeemed for a purpose greater than just working a job and paying our bills and playing on the weekends and having kids and dying. We believe we have been redeemed for a greater purpose than that. We believe that we are blessed for God's mission. We believe we're blessed for God's mission. God says this to Abram in verses 2 through 3. And I will make of you a great nation, I will, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram is blessed by God specifically. This childless man will have a child that will become a nation. Additionally, God says, he is going to make Abram's name great for the purpose of blessing the world. Abram is blessed for the express purpose of being a blessing to all those that he comes into contact with. And sometimes he does that, and sometimes he doesn't do that, which we'll see next week. He has been saved by God's grace for God's purposes. The blessing that God has given to him is going to flow through him to all the families of the earth. God is going to make a nation of little Abrahams. I'm going to make a nation of yous, is what he's doing. People of faith in the Lord, just like him. And Abram has been given a message, a special message to spread to the world. God gives life to dead people just like you. God brings fullness to empty people just like you. God is redeeming a people from himself within this jacked up, broken down world just like you. And this blessing isn't just for me. It's for you. That's his message. So how does this happen? How are all the families of the earth blessed by God? God says, by receiving Abram and Abram's God. That's how. They receive the one who sent him. Sounds a lot like what Jesus told his followers, doesn't it? That would follow him when he sent them out to spread good news. Remember that? Matthew 10.40. Jesus says, whoever receives you, receives who? Receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The good news that Abram is to spread, and the good news that we are to spread, is that there is hope and a future 
for people who believe, that believe in God. You are not fated to the same stuff, different day, okay? Same trailer, different park. That doesn't have to be your life, all right? There's something different. Because God has started a rescue mission. He is taking what sin has broken and mangled, and he is making something new, a new family. God's grace has radically changed our purpose for living. Amen? Our purpose for living. Our mission used to be to make our name great. Put our name on all kinds of stuff. Now our mission is to make God's name great in the earth. It's already great. We're just making it known. We're just making it known. We are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Our mission used to be, how can I bless me? How can I bless my little tribe, my little family? In other words, my kind of people. That used to be our mission. But now our mission is to bless the, na- the neighborhood and the nations. That's our mission. Guys, I think this is a really relevant and important message for us to hear today. There is so much xenophobia and so much fear that is being pawned off on us that it is threatening to stop the mission of God. We need to think like Christians. We need to think like Christians. The operating principle of the world is to be suspicious of people that are different than us. If they dress different, look different, have a strange accent, come from a strange culture, worship a strange God, then we are told to be afraid of them and keep them at arm's distance. That's what we're told. Our mission, according to the world, is to bless me and mine and curse them, whoever them or that is. Our prayer, according to the world, is God bless us and nobody else. But you know what? God doesn't answer that prayer. You know why? Because that's not God's mission. Amen? He didn't answer that prayer. God has called you and I to be a blessing. He's called us to go to them, all the families of the earth, and invite them into the family of God just like he did for us. Just like he did for us. The fact that God made us a part of his people. The fact that God took the initiative to start this relationship with us and take our life from from death to life and restore it. The fact that God dumped a payload of grace on our life. Even though we didn't do a thing to deserve it, gives us a brand new mission for living life, guys. His grace changes us. We are transformed from a people that say, what can I get out of this? To people that ask, what can I give? What could I do? This is the people of God. His grace changes us into a people that want to bless others just like we have been blessed beyond belief. And Crossway, i got to ask, is this the reputation that we have? Is this the reputation that we have right now? Are we known as a church that actually want to bless other people generously? Are we known as a church that that wants people 
from every nation and every neighborhood to be a part of the people of God? It's a fair, good question to ask because that is the church he's called us to be. This is what we believe. There's something else that we believe too. We believe that we are blessed through radical, visible faith in God. We are blessed through radical, visible faith in God. Check this out. Genesis 12, verse 1, and then we're going to skip to verse 4, okay? Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred. He's going from greater to smaller, specific, right? Your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land, I will show you. Verse 4, So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. God makes wonderful, great, sweeping promises to Abram. They are his. They are for him. But he only experiences those deep blessings as he acts in faith. And I really want you guys to understand how radical of a call this was from God. To Abram to step out in faith. God is basically telling Abraham to leave every form of security that he had behind. To leave all allegiances, to leave safety and comfort and follow God by faith. And the promise is, he'll be blessed. This is the blessed life. This is the blessed life. Abram is to leave behind his support system his friends, the place that he knew everybody, that they spoke his language, they used his currency, they shared his values, where things made sense. Things just made sense. He's supposed to leave that, God says, and go to a strange and unknown place. Abram is called by God to leave both his well-known past and his unknown future entirely in the hands of God by faith. Because God's not even going to tell him where he's going. He's right there in the present now with God. Notice this. It's only as Abram trusts God that he experiences his provisions and his presence and not a moment before. Not a moment sooner. Not even a little teaser. He's got a promise. It's only when he is willing to pay the cost to follow the Lord that he experiences the Lord's promise. This is pretty much what Christ said to all those that would follow him and take on his name, right? Remember this? Mark 10, 28. Peter began to say to him, See, we left everything to follow you. Hey, what's in it for us, Lord? See what we did? Are you sure? This promise real? Are you the one? I'm hearing voices. Are you the one? Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brothers, Sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So let's talk. 
Let's be honest. I want to be real with you guys, okay? It will cost you to be a part of the people of God and to be on God's mission, okay? I know you don't want to hear that. I'm telling you that anyway. It will cost you. It will cost you money. It will cost you comfort. And some of you are walking in that right now. It will cost you your confidence. Because God will put you in situations that you don't feel ready for or prepared for. It will cost you free time on the weekends, maybe even evenings. You will have to rearrange your schedule for God. It will cost you, okay? But here's the deal. Here's the promise that he makes to you and to me. When we act in radical, visible faith, we become recipients of God's blessings. When we leave, God goes with us. God, God goes with us. This is his promise. We're promised that his power and his presence and provisions are with us when we go in faith. And guys, I can be honest with you. I can testify this from my own life. It's not just something read in a book. All right? This passage here in Genesis, the passage that we just read about Jesus, God used those particular passages speaking to my life with a megaphone to speak through those passages. All right? He told me to leave. He told me to leave. He told me to move. Come here and preach the gospel. And I trust him every day as a leader by faith. That's what he told me to do. Has there been a cost to that? (laughs) Yeah, been a cost. There is a cost. We said goodbye, my wife and I, our family and I, we said goodbye to a lot of things we really enjoyed. And a lot of people we really loved. And some of those things, we're not going to ever get back. And that's just the way it is. And that's okay. That is okay. Because you know what the deal is? He's come through for us. He has blessed us. He has blessed us beyond belief, guys. And much of that blessing has come through you. It's come through the church and other people that we've met and other people who's brought into our life. He's blessed us beyond belief. It's when we stepped out in radical, visible faith that his his blessings became real. Like three-dimensional, stand up off the page. They became real. And his promises became sweeter to us. Comfort's a little overrated. Give me Jesus, right? Give me answered prayer. That God answer. Not that, that I answered for myself. That's like buying yourself a Christmas present. You know what's in there. Big deal. It's been an adventure, guys. Not been easy, but it's been an adventure. It's been exciting. This is following God by faith. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Yeah, great. Good for you, Lingle. You're, you're, okay, that's you. You're pastor. You're kind of in that pastor thing and special. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm phenomenally ordinary. 
I'm extravagantly average. I know what you're thinking. Okay, that's for Abram. You know, that's Abram, right? Abraham, you know, Father Abraham. He was kind of special. No, we'll see tomorrow. I'm not so special. What about me? What about me? Where do I get that power to live by faith in God? What gives me the power to do this? I'm just a regular guy with a regular job with a mortgage to pay and some kids. What about me? What gives me the power to live for God's mission instead of my own? I'm 75. What gives me the power to fight retirement mentality and to live for God's mission to the final years of my life? How do I get that power to step out in visible faith even though I know it'll cost me? And I don't want it to cost me. I'm scared. I'm scared. How do I get that power? Here's how. To see that the one who is calling you to go is the same one that went for you. That's how. Are you guys hearing me? You guys tracking with me? That's how you get that power. The same one that is calling you to go is the same one that went for you to snag you up, snatch you out of the fire. Jesus answered the ultimate call to go to the nations and the neighborhoods. Jesus left his homeland in heaven where he was familiar with everything that goes on. And everyone loved him. And everyone adored him. And he had everything that he needed. He left all that. He really left all that. He wasn't just coming here as a tourist for a week. Do you understand what I'm saying? He left that. He came to our neighborhood to make us a part of his family. We who did not know him and we who didn't want to know him. He came for us. He came for you guys and for me. Jesus paid the ultimate cost to bring you into his family and into his promises, into his goodness, into his kindness. On the cross, Jesus became cursed by God so that you could be blessed by God. How are you blessed by God? Because you got his name. His name's the greatest name, right? So he got cursed so that you could get blessed. He did that for you. Not someone like out there. You. Yes, you. When we see the Lord loving us like that, it makes us want to trust him. It makes us want to live for his purpose, for his mission, by faith. When we see the grace that he has shown us, that's how, that's how we get that power. And that's why we talk a lot about the gospel here. It is the power of God into salvation and sanctification. Amen? I love you guys. I want to pray for you, okay? God, we love you. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, you have loved us so much. God, I truly believe that your spirit is here and that you are speaking to people. You are speaking to hearts. 
So God, I just pray that you continue to move uh, mist and fog away from eyes, clear distractions away from us. I truly believe there's a holy moment here that we've stepped into. And God, I just pray that you would talk to us. You would transform us. Help us treasure grace alone to the point that it changes us from the inside out where we want to go where you go love who you love do what you want us to do stay where you want us to stay that it would make us want to follow you in faith and spread this good news message to every nation and every neighborhood And Lord, just start right now in our neighborhoods with our neighbors, Lord, we pray. We love you, God. We love you because you loved us first. We didn't even know what love was till you showed us what love actually is. And uh, we are just eternally grateful, Lord. Amen.